Hi everyone, thanks for tuning into another episode of Scale to Zero. I'm Purushottam, co-founder and CTO of Cloudanix. Scale to Zero is a forum where we invite security experts to learn about their journey, discuss on security topics and get answers to some of the questions that we have received from security professionals. So for today's episode, we have Aliza Arman. Uh, Aliza uh, has over 13 years of experience in risk management, security, compliance, and privacy. Previously, she has led the integration of multi-million dollar SAP implementation into an existing SOX framework, implemented and managed SOC 1 and SOC 2 attestation reporting, performed cybersecurity framework implementations and gap analysis. Also, she completed like privacy and other regulatory compliance assessments and provided insights on process assurance for IT systems and IT dependent business processes. She's also an active leader and uh, she's part of Central Ohio ISACA chapter, supporting networking and education opportunities for professionals responsible for information security and compliance across all industries. Alisa, it's wonderful to have you in the show. For our viewers who may not know you, do you want to briefly share, like introduce yourself and share about your journey? Sure, Pura. Thanks. Uh, it's great to be here. I appreciate you having me on the podcast. Um, I am a governance risk compliance uh, specialist so far in my career. Um, like you said, I have about 13 years experience. About half of that was spent in audit doing either compliance audits for SOX or SOC reporting or helping internal audit shops with their processes and goals. Um, I've also done some risk management, working more with the business to identify solutions to gaps or risks that they have and help implement process improvements or new processes to identify um, emerging gaps that might have been um, targeted for remediation. Um, it, it's really great to be here on the webcast. I really appreciate the chance to chat with you today. It's lovely to uh, have you here as well. Uh, so the way we do the podcast is we have two sections. The first section focuses on the security question. And the second section, which is the fun one, is around uh, rapid fire. So let's start with the security questions, right? So, you know, like you highlighted that uh, you have worked a lot on GRC, right? Governance, risk management, and compliance, right? It's often difficult to set up the security program, like set the foundation properly in an organization. And as the organization grows bigger, the difficulty also increases, right? So what are the challenges you have faced while working, let's say, with multiple organizations to set up their security programs? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, there's a few common challenges that I've seen organizations struggle with in implementing a security program. Um, and really, they're kind of at the two ends of the process, in my experience. So the first challenge I often see is um, making sure that a sufficient base understanding of the organization, the organization's goals, what industry or regulatory requirements there might be, contractual obligations, what's the, the scope of um, need for this program? What, what are we trying to address as we implement a strong program for an organization? And really understanding the the scope of the goals of the program, I think, is an important step that can sometimes get overlooked a little bit. And companies kind of want to jump right into, here's our framework, here we go, let's hit the mm -hmm. ground running, 
when having that basic understanding really helps set the ground for a strong program that meets the actual needs of the organization. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so then, oh, go yeah, ahead. go ahead. And say so, so then the, the other problem I generally see is kind of at the other end of the process. The program's been identified, a framework has um, been used to build policies and procedures, the processes are documented and understood. How does mm-hmm. that information get out of the compliance group and to the entire organization? Um, what training, what um, educational initiatives are undertaken to ensure that all that valuable effort is actually being utilized by employees in their day-to-day processes? Are policies and procedures really readily available? Um, And have you thought about the audience of who you expect to comply with those? A lot of times it's easy for an employee to find a policy, but does a client or a contractor who's being held to that standard know where to look and what their expectations are? Um, Mm -hmm. And then really building in the security and compliance expectations to program development. So new initiatives that the company's bringing in or the organization's bringing into the fold are being designed with the expectation of those security requirements and that GRC framework is part of the entire process. So the programs can hit the ground running, compliant and ready to meet the needs of the business. Okay. Uh, so I, I like I like the two points that you highlighted. Right. One is understanding clearly what is the scope, and the second thing is how do you educate your whole organization, also external vendors, if you are working with uh, anyone, right? So with those challenges that you have noticed, how did you overcome them, and what advice do you have for uh, future security leaders uh, who might be going through it right now? Yeah, definitely. Um... The initial challenge of understanding the goals, I think, can be addressed best by setting it as a step in the process. If the organization has a goal to implement a strong security program, step one should be obtaining that base understanding and making sure that the goals that are trying to be addressed are well documented and communicated across the project team. Um, Mm -hmm. Once that base is established and everybody's working off the same set of information and the goals and decisions that are being made are directly tied back to the expectations of the company or organization um, can really help drive value through the program throughout its initiation and implementation. Uh, On the other end, it's uh, uh, keeping that long tail going, making sure that once the project has been wrapped up, there's been sufficient effort put to that implementation. Um, It's sometimes good to get to the end. You know, you've done your assessment, you know what's expected, and then you wrap up the project. Everybody's ready to move on to the next phases of their career, their next goals, competing priorities, but really ensuring resources are dedicated to that implementation, to communicating and building the program out throughout the organization um, and supporting questions and training and educational opportunities through part of the program goals to make sure that nothing's lost or um, overlooked as the program is really wrapped up and a new phase is moved into. Mm-hmm. So I, I, like, there are two things that you highlighted, right? One is like uh, to document and share it uh, with the team, with the organization. 
And the other thing that you highlighted is once the first phase is done, most folks, because of priority shifts, uh, they move to other projects or something like that. And one of the primary factors to that is the cost impact, right? Uh, And uh, I think Forbes uh, recently reported, I think for a mid-sized business, uh, it's expected to send up to like uh, from 4 million to almost 8 million for a proper GRC system and on employees per year, right? And that sounds a lot. So in in that case, how how should organizations uh, get started and set the foundation properly for a foolproof GRC program? Yeah. Excellent. I think it's very, um, very important that that budget is really recognized and allocated appropriately. Like you said, organizations plan to spend a large amount of money on GRC programs. And I think it's important for leadership to recognize that investment and the value they expect to receive from it. Um, I look back to the OCEG, the Open Compliance and Ethics Group's definition of GRC, and they define GRC as the collection of capabilities that enable an organization to reliably achieve its objectives, address uncertainty, and act with integrity. And when you look at GRC programs in the lens of that definition, I think it's really easy to see the value and the reason that these are being prioritized so strongly by companies. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So recognizing that investment, understanding that it is significant and maybe a large portion of an expenditure budget, um, maybe even more than the organization would ideally like to budget towards that. But the value that comes out of having that strong program in place allows the company or organization to meet its expectations to continue functioning functioning successfully. And what greater value can a company have than the ability to continue to provide for its customers or the organizations that depend on it? Um, So that lens of investment, I think, is key. And then Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. ensuring that the the investment is upfront and that the project is resourced sufficiently. Do you have the expertise, the knowledge to identify the business needs, to understand the myriad of frameworks that are available for an organization to base a GRC program off of? Um, There's common ones like your NIST uh, cybersecurity framework or risk management framework that are are pretty widely implemented by businesses across industries and size, in my experience. But they're not always the best fit for every industry or every organization. It's not a one-size-fits-all approach. So what industry-specific frameworks or even regulatory or compliance-required frameworks are out there that your organization needs to consider in its implementation of a strong GRC program? And then how are those actually going to be put in place? Do you have the resources to design, develop, implement, manage, document all of these new processes and all of Mm -hmm. this new information? Um, So it's really recognizing the um, value of that budget, of that resource and utilization you're putting towards the project, and then ensuring that you, you give the necessary tools as a leadership of an organization for the success of the program. So uh, a follow-up question to that is, uh, how should organizations move away from outdated methods of GRC? And what's the best way to implement GRC if somebody is starting starting today? Yep. 
Um, so I think there, there's really kind of twofold to that, um, maybe starting with the fresh implementation of a new GRC program is um, the resource and investment and identification of the framework that best fits the organization's needs or contractual requirements. And then the effort to perform a baseline over that framework. So understanding where the organization stands today in regards to the framework is going to be the foundational step to implementing a strong framework. What is already being done well, um, what's already documented well, that tends to be maybe the least amount of items. I've found a lot of times working through assessments that processes are strong and there are significant controls that provide comfort over a security risk but nothing's really written down or clearly communicated. Um, yeah. So really understanding where there's gaps in processes and something new needs put in place versus something needs formalized or recorded so that it can be consistently operated against. But at the underlying level, the foundation's there. The process is already operating the way you expect. Um, so understanding that baseline, where you are, and then what gaps exist. What can be done better to address um, deficiencies or ineffective processes compared to the framework? And where's the highest priority for those? What's your quick wins? Maybe a moderate or a high risk, but it's lower budget, lower effort mm -hmm. to implement mm -hmm. versus um, really high risk, you know, keys to the kingdom. This is what our business relies on. It has to be effective and available but it's a significant investment to address a gap that's identified um, and really focusing on those two areas to get some quick wins and increase that overall security platform framework. And then also at, put the effort in the value that the company will get out of it, securing the most important aspects of the organization. Um, so that that's all a, a great way to start if you're fresh. But what if you're walking mm -hmm. into an mm -hmm. organization and there's already some stuff there, but you don't really know what it is or how it's working or if it's even right? Um, you kind of have to take that step back to the beginning again and say, is the framework that was initially used the appropriate framework? Um, or should we be using a different benchmark against which the organization is measured? And once you've confirmed which framework best fits the current needs and goals of the organization, you're really back to that same step of how well are we doing against it and what should we prioritize in addressing gaps or ineffective processes that'll increase our security posture. Makes sense. So uh, I think the, understand, the understanding that I get from what you're saying is understanding the current setup and the scope of the program helps a lot in setting the right GRC program. program. Yep. I think that's that key piece along with understanding the organization's, organization's goals or their responsibilities or contractual obligations to make sure that the effort to address any deficiencies or differences between what is in the organization and what the ideal framework would suggest um, that's, that's mm -hmm. kind of where the key is for me, not just in here are all the places where we're not aligned with the framework, but 
in regards to our goals, which are the most important misalignments? Where should our effort be dedicated to move towards a more compliant framework? I've at this point never seen an organization that fully meets every expectation of any framework. They all have something where the risk, the goals, the structure of the organization is it's irrelevant or it's not financially significant to um, warrant addressing. So making sure the mm -hmm. resources are going to the best purpose um, to address those gaps once you do know where you currently stand. So um, I want to pivot to uh, data privacy a little bit. Uh, there are many uh, data privacy focused regulations, right? Like GDPR in Europe, CCPA, which is in uh, California, and then something is coming up for Canada as well. And many organizations who are doing business, let's say in US and catering to EU customers or organizations operating in California, uh, you have to be compliant with these rules, right? Otherwise you end up paying massive fines. Mm -hmm. What's your recommendation for organizations that are aiming to adhere to the, uh, these like compliance uh, regulations? Yep. Um, I, I think privacy regulation landscape is such a complicated and complex topic. There's so much change and new um, regulations either being developed or discussed or coming into effect in the short term that it's a very hard area to comply with. One of the early pieces of advice I always have in privacy discussions is to understand what expectations are um, on the organization? What are you required to be compliant with? And there's three main ways privacy requirements can come into scope for an organization. There can be regulations specific to where your operating locations are. So the state you're in may have uh, a specific requirement for how data is collected or stored um, when it's considered personal private data. The industry that you're operating in may have specific requirements. The big one that usually comes up here is HIPAA if you're in the healthcare space and ensuring that you understand your regulatory requirements to healthcare related data. And then the mm -hmm. last, which is really the modern privacy regulation lens in my opinion, is data subject based privacy regulation. So these aren't based on what you do or where you operate or what industry you're in, they are the right of an individual to their private data. And they apply to anyone collecting data for an individual under that regulation. So this is where a company operating in the US may need to adhere to GDPR's requirements for EU citizens, even if they have no physical location in the EU. Um, mm -hmm. And that's really a, a shift in privacy regulation expectations that I think GDPR um, initiated and you're seeing with CCPA in California um, and there's a number of other states that are looking to implement similar data subject rights based legislation across the U.S. and countries across the world. Um, so understanding the three main ways privacy regulation compliance can be expected from a company and which ones of those are applicable is the first big hurdle. And then mm -hmm. trying to assess compliance with them, I think is the next hurdle. Um, a lot of times you'll find regulations are contradictory. 
um, even within a very small scope with EU mm -hmm. for with GDPR, um, there isn't a GDPR doesn't talk about data retention related to private data. It defaults to the country's data retention expectations. Uh, okay. And some countries require you to keep employee data indefinitely. And some countries require you to dispose of it as quickly as possible. So there's an internal struggle of regulations being so disparate and individually implemented that it's very difficult to set a baseline to apply to. So the company really needs to invest effort into understanding what regulations they are expected to adhere to and what their current status is in that adhering in adhering to those. With so it sounds like there are multiple layers to it, right? Like as you highlighted, let's say, uh, as an example, right, GDPR doesn't talk about data retention. Then you have to uh, sort of adhere to whichever country you are doing your business in. So when there are so many complications, how should, uh, or complicated parts rather, how should organizations stay compliant to these regulations? Any advice that you have? Yep. Um, I definitely think that it's possible to obtain compliance to the regulations, although it, it is a very new and um, evolving area. The, um, the first thing is to understand and um, document what those expectations are, what requirements you're trying to be compliant to, um, and where there are conflicting or disagreements between regulations that you're trying to comply with, generally um, looking towards the most restrictive. So if one regulation says that you should only store data for 120 days and one regulation says it should be 180 days, you can be compliant with both of those by having it stored for 120 days or less. Um, so where you can find overlaps and efficiencies in having uh, compliance with the most restrictive requirement that can help alleviate some of those differences. I think the mm -hmm. other um, most difficult piece of adhering to these regulations, in my experience, organizations face is knowing what data they collect, when they collect it, why they collect it, what they do with it, and where it's stored. It's incredibly difficult, especially with GDPR or CCPA's views on data privacy to meet the regulations requirements unless you have an incredibly strong understanding of the private data that is being collected, stored, processed, shared. Um, how in GDPR particularly, how do you respond to a data subject or an individual saying, I want all of my data to be deleted? Do you know where all of their data is or where all of it could be stored to even effectively do that? In my experience, it takes organizations the whole 60 days of compliance they have to remove the data to even figure out where all of it is. And mm -hmm. that is um, a, a big obstacle to compliance. So in organizations where data is well documented, understood, and processing is very well defined. All of the compliance requirements for privacy in the privacy space are much easier to comply with. Yeah. So I I hear a recurring theme in uh, uh, like 
in your advice right that understanding the core principles let's say in this case of regulatory compliance properly and then how understanding your systems better so that you know where the data is getting captured how is it being shared and stuff like that so that you can sort of be compliant or work towards a compliance your foundation has to be right uh, in a way right yes definitely every time um i've been brought into a project that's already underway and i ask those basic questions and they can't be answered the frustration level of making everybody take that step back to the beginning and starting with that strong foundation is always very high but it's invaluable to the actual mm-hmm. success of the program to take that step back to make sure you understand the foundation and time and time again in all of the regulatory or compliance spaces i work i'm taking that step back to make sure i know what i'm doing and why before i try to actually implement or help fix anything yeah um i can i can totally understand right like in order to move fast you have to have your basics right uh, uh the way you explained right and that makes a lot of sense um i want to dig a little deeper on the third part that you highlighted right the data subject or uh, the personal information um and this is considered as one of the most sensitive information right like the pii data um so considering there are many viewers in the of the podcast or uh, new or uh, new to the space security space altogether can you quickly explain uh, explain how the laws regarding data privacy apply to pii data mm-hmm. yeah um so for this question in my mind i go to these more modern regulations very quickly um a lot of pre gdpr privacy regulation was a lot easier to um understand and implement because it was very much focused on protecting the data from threat actors rather than reassigning the rights to the data to the data subject and that's okay. where gdpr really changed the landscape in my opinion when you're thinking about private data rights the data subject owns their data it doesn't matter if they give you access to it or allow it to be used in certain ways at the end of the day it is still owned by that individual and they have the rights to how the data is stored processed controlled or even if it's available um and organizations shifting to this sort of mindset is a, a big change in the privacy space instead of understanding where data is and how it's protected from external actors the organization has to be prepared to answer why did you process my data in that way or how did i get this marketing email when all i did was give you my email to address a support question um that processing and use of the data after it's obtained and understanding what you're legally allowed to do with that data and when additional consent or an additional basis for how the data's processed needs to be identified is one of the key thought shifts that i think gdpr and the regulations coming since it have really put on companies yeah so i i like how you put it right that the data subjects are the owners of their data 
organizations are legally allowed for some time that they can uh, use it for marketing or other activities but you don't own that data right in a way at the end of the day it's the uh, data subject who who has the right to ask for that data anytime or ask you to delete that data anytime that they want right so the ownership has sort of shifted to the data subjects from the organizations in in at least in gdpr's case mhm Yeah, GDPR and I would definitely say CCPA really carried that that torch forward with their reg- legislation as well, specifically with the Article 24 additions that were made more recently, um where mm-hmm. the ability to profit off of somebody's data without their consent has been really um reined in and there's a lot more considerations that need to be put in place of the data that you're using and how it's being used especially when it qualifies as PII in any way. Right. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Thanks for adding that uh, uh context as well. Um so I have uh like we have one uh, one last question on this and we received this question from a first time CISO. Um in in a security program setup compliance is one of the uh, one of the pillars, right? for a mid-size organization what's the right time to invest in security certification say uh, hipaa if we are catering to healthcare organi- uh, healthcare uh, industry or soc 2 or iso yeah that's a great question and one that um organizations are often sometimes a little surprised with my answer to especially given the lens that i am a consultant generally trying to perform more work in these security certification spaces um in my opinion the best way to know if you should obtain one of these certi- security certifications is to look at your legal or contractual obligations um many of them are required based on specific factors the organization may or may not have a publicly traded company or a company with certain kinds of public debt needs to be SOX 404 compliant a company that processes credit card data in any way or handles credit card data in any way needs to be PCI compliant GDPR or CCPA with privacy regulations although there isn't a certification for those mm-hmm. um but really what what are your requirements what do you need to get as an organization to meet your regulatory and contractual obligations is mm-hmm. the first and most important question in my opinion um some of those sock report the system and organization controls reports or iso certifications mm-hmm. um those really come into play more in the contractual requirements if you're a company that provides a service to other organizations in any way there may be a requirement in the contracts you sign that you provide that organization with a system and organization controls report a sock 2 covers security most in most instances um and it can include some other considerations like a hipaa plus or um mm-hmm. some some additional items that can be built into sock 2 reports sock 1 reports are usually financially focused for organizations that provide a service to socks compliant type organizations um and where there aren't contractual obligations or regulatory requirements There's a fairly limited set of scenarios where I think an organization would benefit from the investment of a service security certification. 
if the organization's providing a service of some kind, a web app maybe, and they don't have a contractual requirement to provide a SOC report, but they're inundated with questions about how they're securing or caring for that particular application, then a SOC report may be worthwhile for the organization because it can help address many of those questions without the vendor compliance questionnaires and back and forth meetings with your customers. Um, so in those, those are the scenarios really where I suggest a security certification is beneficial mm -hmm. for organizations where none of those are relevant, then it's oftentimes, in my opinion, the best use of the organization's resources to focus on that GRC or security program internally. Make sure that you have a strong NIST or ISO um, framework identified and assessed against so that if a scenario arises where a security certification is contractually required or uh, relevant for the organization, you're ahead of the game on having the processes and procedures and documentation in place to ensure that you can obtain that certification. Yeah, I, I mean, that will help you in getting the certification faster as well, right? Because you have the foundation already. Um, yeah. The the takeaway that I got from this answer is that it depends. It depends on the industry. It depends on your contractual obligation. So there are many factors. There is no direct answer that, hey, go do HIPAA or go do SOC, SOC 2, right? It, it depends on your organization, your contractual obligations and stuff like that. One follow-up question to that is, what is the right time? Like, how do how do organizations know that, hey, six months after we started or a year down the line, we have to do the certification? Is there an indicator which organizations can look for to determine that, hey, it's time to get certifications? Yeah, in a lot of cases it's outside of the organization's hands. If you're publicly traded or subject to HIPAA or um, another industry specific security requirement, then now, now is the best time because it's a requirement. It's something that you will need to provide to continue to operate in the way that you're operating. Um, mm -hmm. Where it's less clear when there's not a contractual or there's not a legal regulatory requirement, then there's a little bit more um, of that it depends factor to it. If you have a contractual requirement, a lot of times the expectation is that by the time you sign the contract, that security certification is available. But that's not always, always true. And a lot of times there can be some um, ability to postpone or um, initiate a readiness assessment, which is one way an organization can understand how close they are to obtaining a security compliance is either internally or bring in an external group to assess against the current state and identify gaps that should be remediated prior to actually working towards that security certification. Mm -hmm. um, and when you're not really held to any regulatory or contractual requirements when there is no push towards getting this in place very quickly. Um, I almost always think a readiness assessment is the best first step. It will okay. let you know before you invest a large amount of resources, can we even obtain this? Will the report be something we find beneficial to share? If you have seven or eight gaps, if it's a qualified or 
has no opinion attached to it, then it's probably not worth much, even if you do go through the process to obtain it. Makes sense. Uh, and I love that how you said it's now uh, versus a month mm -hmm. down the line. And it makes sense, right? It always depends on which stage the company is in, if you are public traded, which industry you uh, cater to and stuff like that. Uh, so yeah, uh, that makes a lot of sense. And that's a great way to end the security question section as well. Uh, so thank you for sharing your uh, learnings and insights with us. Um, here are a few points uh, which stood out for me. The first one is the very first step in setting up a solid security program is to understand the scope and the current setup really well. The second one is documentation of the security process and organizational training are super important for a successful GRC setup. Third point is, when it comes to data privacy, there is no one-size-fits-all approach. It always depends on various factors like industry, geography, regulations, and many more. Um, now let's move on to the rapid-fire uh, section, right? Okay. Um, so the first, the first question is, what advice would you give to your 25-year-old self starting in security uh, and why? Awesome. Um, so the, the advice I would give to my 25-year-old self, and you, you mentioned it sort of tangentially at the beginning that I'm uh, involved in our local ISACA chapter, which is an educational and networking organization. Um, but identifying a networking opportunity that is consistent and structured in some way outside of your corporation or organization you're employed by, I think mm -hmm. is the most specific piece of advice I would give my early self. Build a network and a support system that can follow you throughout your career rather than one that's tied to where you might be at a specific point in your career. Makes a lot of sense. Uh the next question is, what's the biggest lie you have heard in cybersecurity? The biggest lie in cybersecurity. Well, I'm not going to get hacked because I don't have anything worth stealing. <laughs> That's maybe my yeah. favorite. <laughs> yeah, that that's spot on. Like most folks think that way. So yeah, uh, makes a lot of sense. The last question is, if you were a superhero of cybersecurity, which power would you choose to have in you? Uh, well, I'm an auditor at heart, and I spent most of my career there so far. And if I picked a superpower, I think it kind of kind of aligns to that underlying part of my personality. I would have the superpower to accurately know the risk of any situation as soon as I learn about it. It's all of us want that power, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, that, that's a great way to uh, end the episode. Thank you, Eliza, for uh, sharing your learnings, insights, and looking forward to learn more from you in future. For, yeah. for folks who may not, uh, uh, may have more questions or want to connect, what's the best way to reach out to you? Um, the best way to reach out to me is definitely my email, and I can provide that if you can um, add it into any description or anything. But it's alyssa.amin at craftcompliance.com. Um, definitely feel free to reach out with any questions or insights or comments you might have on what we discussed. Um, and I appreciate so much having me on this podcast. It's really been great chatting with you today.
Yeah, same here. Thank you so much for uh, coming as well. Uh, there was there were quite a few things which I learned as part of this uh, conversation as well. So thank you so much for joining. For for our viewers, thank you for watching. Hope you have learned something new. If you have any questions around security, share those at scale20.com. We'll get those answered by an expert in the security space. See you in the next episode. Thank you.